Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 623 with Jennifer Colosimo. I don't know about you, but the holidays, the November, December timeframe gets me reflecting on bigger life questions. And one of my favorite resources to go back to for big life thinking questions and year planning stuff is the seven habits of highly effective people. Well, our guest, Jen Colosimo, is a seven habits expert. She's been living it, breathing it, teaching it for a whole long time. And we have a much wisdom to glean from her. So you'll learn, one, what are the seven habits and why they're still relevant today? Two, how proactivity improves your effectiveness by 50x. And three, the two habits that make the biggest difference in your career. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we reference, you can drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP623. That's awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP623. Now, here's Jen's story. Jennifer Colosimo is a seven habits expert, as well as president of the enterprise division for Franklin Covey. She has led teams in operations, human resources, IT, sales, learning and development, and corporate social responsibility while at Accenture, DeVita, Franklin Covey, and several private equity-backed organizations. Her titles have included Chief Learning Officer, COO, Executive Vice President, Vice President of Wisdom, that's the coolest title, and Vice President of Sales. She has co-authored the book Great Work, Great Career with Stephen R. Covey and has been a featured keynote speaker and panelist at numerous business, government, and education conferences. She's delivered on-site training and keynotes to more than 50,000 people across 45 states and 12 countries. Big thanks to Jennifer for sharing her wisdom with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Jen. Jen, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Appreciate you having me, Pete. Thank you so much. Well, I'm really looking forward to digging into your wisdom. In a way, this is sort of like a a stroll down memory lane. The Seven Habits was was one of the first books that got me into think, wow, there's books about how to just live life better. I want more of these in my life as a teenager. And and you actually had the honor of co-authoring a book with Stephen Covey himself. Tell me a little bit about that. 
I did. Stephen passed eight years ago. So this was uh, a few years before that. We co-authored a book on building a great career. It's called Great Career, right? Great work, great career. And uh, many of the principles in there are based on the seven habits. So my voice was primarily different stage in my career, obviously, than Stephen was and, and how I applied them at that different stage. Mm-hmm. We've had a, a couple Franklin Covey folks on the show. Can you share any fun stories or anecdotes that you know give us a bit of a feel for for who that who that man was and, and the impact he's leaving? In the years that I worked with him, the one thing that I think really stands out that I don't know that you can say about everyone is that person was an authentic, same person work, home. He did his best to live what he was writing about. He believed it completely and with total passion. And it didn't matter if you saw him at a grocery store or were at a board meeting or were working on a book. He believed in the principles and put them into practice in his life. Now, I probably had it easier because he was a mentor and advice giver. I work and have worked in the past with some of his actual family members. I think as teenagers, they sort of got a little bit tired of some of the principles (laughs) and have all come back to, to living them. But I think they would finally be like, dad, could you just be like a dad? And he was, but he lived his principles. Yeah, that's fun. I think my family feels that way about me sometimes a little bit on on not so grand a scale. And I understand he could also be a bit of a goofball at times. Oh, he was a joker. (laughs) He said funny things. He would take you off guard because you would wonder, is that serious? Are you being serious? Until you really got used to some of his jokes. I mean, one of my favorite things long, long time ago is he kept his speaker microphone on while he ran out to use the restroom. Mm -hmm. And we were chasing him, basically being like, turn it off, turn it off before you get in there. We can still hear you talking in the hall in the big room. And he just joked it off. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Well, so I think this is going to be a fun one. I think many of our listeners have probably read or listened to, or at least heard about the seven habits, but uh, many of us have probably uh, forgotten uh, some of them. Uh, So maybe before we dig into the the nitty gritty, like what are those seven habits? Could you maybe give us an overview of, of what impact have they had over the last 30 years? And and why do you think this this book, this message has really just lived on and on and on? Well, a couple of things. Number one, when Dr. Covey said effective, he meant the ability to get results now and maintain your ability to get those results in the future. That's a more complex skill set than can I just get a result right now. And those principles in order to be effective are frankly timeless. I mean, when I say words to you like the ability to make choice, having empathy, collaboration, personal management, which is often veered now into social and emotional intelligence, social management, those principles of effectiveness of how you would get results now and in the future are timeless. What changes is the practices of how you put that into place. Mm -hmm. And when we came out with the 30th edition, while we didn't change any of the original text, there are pieces added in by Sean Covey, Stephen's son, kind of updating some of the practices and adding some detail to each of those. But they're timeless principles. I mean, how can you not say you'll be more effective if you make choices that will get your result now and in the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it totally 
is just true. And uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was listening to the audiobook uh, just a few months ago, and uh, I, I hear him in my voice now. PPC Balance and yes. Golden Goose production and production capability. So let's let's dig into it a little bit. Could you give us maybe the the one minute each version of what are the seven habits of highly effective people? So the seven habits were not original thinking. Dr. Covey would say they aren't original thinking. What they are is organized in a way that actually builds effectiveness. So they all start with a verb. And the first three are focused on what is called private victory. Are you self-aware? Are you confident in who you are and what you're trying to accomplish? So they focus on number one, being proactive, which is the habit of choice. In summary, things happen. We, we know a lot that's happening right now in the world. Things happen and how you choose to behave defines who you are and that, that making that choice. Habit two is begin with the end in mind, which is the habit of purpose and vision. So do I let life just take me and I'm in a wave, a wave across the ocean and I react to what comes my way? Or have I set out, this is who I want to be, what I want to achieve. This is my life's mission to take it to the most detail, you know, big picture. Mm -hmm. Third, put first things first. So you can make choice and you can have a purpose and a vision, but if you don't make choices day to day in managing yourself, then that will never come true right? Mm. You have to manage yourself and not every little thing, but you have to manage yourself in order to make that vision come true. With that private victory, you have a level of confidence that allows you to be more effective in relationships. Mm. It may be counterintuitive, but it takes a lot of confidence to have humility. And the next three habits focused yeah. on relationship are requiring you to look at how you better collaborate, how you have an approach to an abundance. Think win-win. Notice it says think. Are you looking for mutual benefit? You don't mm -hmm. always get to it, but are you trying? Habit five, seek first to understand, then to be understood, I would say has a, an immense amount of skill building built into it in how to practice empathy how to actually understand someone. Most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Mm -hmm. When will her lips stop <laughs> flapping and I can reply? And so that's a big skill set because empathy is so critical in the workplace in order to build connection and to get to the sixth habit, which is synergize as a verb. Really, this is the habit in our terminology now of innovation of building inclusive environments. How do I think win-win, build understanding, suppress, express myself with I messages in a way that we can create something better, whether that's a result at work or in a relationship. And the seventh habit circles all of those, the private victory and the public victory habits called sharpen the saw. And the basis of that is balance I can't be as effective as I possibly could be if I'm not physically, socially, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually defined as something that gives you a greater sense of meaning unless I'm sharp. I mean, think mm -hmm. about it. If you're really sick, it's hard to be effective. You can do your best, but it's hard. That's true. 
if you're struggling with a relationship at work, you know, the person that you now are meeting all the time on Zoom, but used to set several cubicles over, if you are constantly just always upset at them, how effective can you be? Yeah. Okay. That is uh, that's a nice rundown there. I love it. Well, well, you are a expert. You have that the title of a seven habits expert, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is great because I think a lot of us are like, oh yeah, I kind of know the habits. It's like, you know, be proactive and, um, you know, win-win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I like that. That's, that's excellence there. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Again, an expert just means you now know what you don't know. Right. Yeah, it leaves sure a lot a... <laughs> of holes of you thinking, I don't know that well enough, but thank well, yeah. you for that. Well, well, we'll put you on the spot here as, uh, as we dig into a little bit more detail. So I was struck by, I love numbers. And okay. so you know, in the seven habits, it says under be proactive, that the difference in being proactive versus not being proactive makes for a 5,000 plus percent difference in effectiveness. Now, that's a big number, 50x. Can you sort of lay that out, how that is true and even possible for anyone who says that seems too big? That seems too big. Mm-hmm. That being proactive would make that much more effectiveness. Right. And actually, this has work behind it in terms of neuroscience, in terms of data that says, researchers that will say, you know, the level of effectiveness you can get in different jobs has different quantum leaps. So Mm. let me just talk about maybe different categories. I worked fast food as a teenager. If I am the very, very best at flipping hamburgers, then what's the percentage difference in effectiveness you're going to get? And we're only on the line and we're not working that much with other folks in the restaurant. We're not client facing. Oh, you'll get a different percentage. They'll be mm-hmm. cooked different. It'll be faster. Maybe doubling if you're the true burger. Maybe doubling. If you're just, yeah, <laughs> you're you're a savant at. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you go to a more complex job, let's say nursing, and you think of patient care, talking, speaking with relatives, making very quick decisions based on all of your background, how much effectiveness seems reasonable there. In more, I, I more don't know, the number, right? <laughs> we don't know if we're to five thousand percent. Actually, and and some of this work comes from you can see it. Uh, there's a newer book from uh, Netflix. I'll think of the the author where they basically said their approach to hiring was they believed there was five thousand percent in software developers. Oh yes, yes, that is ringing a bell. Do you remember the book? In terms of, I think I was looking at their, their culture deck, which maybe made reference to this or, or or some Netflix document. But so yeah, understood. And and so then different domains. That's a great point right there. So different domains have a different. Uh, ceiling or capacity to be differentially effective. And yeah, I guess, hey, the more responsibility you have, the more that's going to be uh, the more variability there. So, right. so then, so how is it specifically that being proactive can unleash that, uh, that 5,000 plus percent difference? So obviously a lot of it is based on the technical domains we were talking about, right? The technicalities mm-hmm. of that job, but, and When you think about the communication pieces, regardless of, let's use the one that that we're saying has a huge differential, software developers, they still need to communicate with those on their team Mm -hmm. to sell their ideas. Some 
may uh, aspire to higher level leadership roles. They may aspire. And, and as you think about being proactive and making choices, the really direct link is we're talking about social emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. How well do I communicate? What choices do I make? So let's just give an example. I'm the most talented software developer. Mm-hmm. And I can't sell my ideas because I can't communicate in the uh, form that the finance person understands or that my sales manager understands. In addition, everybody on the development team seriously just wishes I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I'm not viewing my results as both the results as a developer, a very talented developer, but the results I obtain in relationship. And that's a bit of a mindset shift. Do I make choices to get to the end in mind I'm looking for, even if it's just get my new game on the market? Am Mm -hmm. I making the choices that help me get to that end in mind? Or am I basically sabotaging myself because I'm not being proactive and taking a space between things that happen and my response? Mm -hmm. And I buy that in terms of if you're proactive versus reactive, I'm just taking software developers, yeah. That's sort of like, hey, I've got a really cool idea. Proactivity would be to, you know, to sell that idea, to package that idea, to to get uh, stakeholders, collaborators, you know, rallied around it, to to test that out. See, is this even a good idea? Do people care about this or is it just right. kind of my thing? And that very well could make all the difference in terms of, yeah, that's the breakout feature that makes this, you know, program or game like the coolest thing that everybody has to have. And then you can have huge sales flowing from that. Uh, maybe 50 times the sales, as opposed to you're just like, ah, well, no one really cares. And I guess I got to just sort of finish my to-do list. (laughs) Right. I've just got to finish my to-do list. People don't listen to me. I think one of the deepest, well, this is actually something that Stephen would say, I'm paraphrasing, that one of the deepest needs of the human heart is to feel understood. Mm-hmm. And so you may be a very talented and we could go to any role of any of your listeners. But if you want to build your influence, are you influenceable? Are you working on your self-management, your social management, in addition to that technical skill set? You mm-hmm. know, LinkedIn and I'll miss some of them, but said the most, uh, the skills that people are really looking for that are soft. So I've got to assume you've got the technical skills. You're the best in this, whatever, are empathy, collaboration, self-management, communication skills, all things that are in the seven habits. Well, so that makes sense. All right. I'm convinced (laughs) 5,000% is real. Uh, No hyperbole there. Let's talk about being understood. Okay. That's a deep need. And I think there's not a lot of that going around. Mm-hmm. How does one do a great job at understanding others and having them feel understood? So a lot of the seven habits is really based on first, who you are, building character. Mm-hmm. Second, how you think. And I'm going to start there. And then how you behave to get the result, right? Okay. So with mindset as the starting place, this is the mindset that I would challenge if you're really trying to truly, in your intent, you're you're thinking, I do want to understand. I really do. This isn't Mm -hmm. fake. I really do. Can you stop the chatter in your mind? Literally. 
stop thinking, do I agree or disagree? Do I have another example of that, you know, that I want to either judge or assess? What's my response? You know, stopping, do I want to have a comeback? Simply, can you stop? So let's assume I'm listening to you and I've decided, and I might even be angry. I might even totally disagree. So this is an incredible discipline. So I get hit with this amygdala hit of like, Mm -hmm. I'm totally ticked off. Can I stop and say, okay, I'm going to stop all that chatter. I'm going to listen for, and if I'm lucky, I can see you hard in social media days. But if I can see you, I've also got nonverbal cues. I've got your face. I've got your tone of voice. In addition to the words, how does Pete think and feel about this? Mm -hmm. How does he think and feel? And can I accurately summarize it? Probably not parroting back because that might make you crazy. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm just parroting. So Pete, you're upset about X. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what I just said. But what I found is as long as you don't put that response out, as long as you're waiting to actually get to understanding. So let me summarize if I heard you correctly. What I'm hearing is you, this is the most basic, Mm -hmm. feel blank about blank. Yeah. And often you'll say, well, that's not totally it. You missed this small piece. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I missed this piece. So in summary, you feel blank about blank, putting in different words. Your assessment is, your thinking is, no emotion. I'm truly trying to get to understanding. Mm -hmm. If you have that discipline, you will at a minimum develop an understanding. And the purpose is not to get necessarily to an agreement. You don't have to agree, Mm -hmm. but you can get to understanding as long as you can control the chatter in your mind and truly focus on what the other person's thinking and feeling. Yeah. No, it's funny. What comes to mind here is I was chatting with, uh, this was a a real rock star over at the Northwestern Mutual Financial Network. Mm -hmm. So life insurance sales. So you know, I wasn't super interested in having this meeting, but he was a friend of a friend. So I was like, all right. And he was so good uh, because we had one meeting where that's all that he was doing was understanding, try, seeking to understand my stuff. And then the next, and so then we met again, like a week or two later, he's like, you know, Pete, I heard you say this and this and this, and you know, you mentioned this and uh, what was really important to you was this. And it was like, it was the weirdest experience <laughs> because it was like, he was some kind of a, a prophet or... <laughs> Or, or like a psychic. And it's like, I know I said all these things to him, but it is a unique experience to like have someone have really absorbed all of that and, and, and kind of gotten to the heart of things, which is why he's leading the practice. He's, <laughs> he's really excellent and, and has a big team right. under him now. So yeah, it, it is wild how, how powerful that is. And so you mentioned the most basic level is, is you feel blank about blank. So let me, I, I'd say, Jen, you feel frustrated that there's a family member in your life who needs an Xbox. <laughs> we talked about this. Yeah. You feel frustrated. There's a family member in your life who needs an Xbox and it is very hard to come by. And you, you sort of feel like they're, they're putting you in a possible situation and, and that's, um, really uncomfortable. I don't know if you actually feel that way. I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, imagining. I want one. So, yeah. <laughs> but see the difference between that conversation 
Number one, I mean, a question back to you. You mentioned it was weird whether you decided to purchase or not, because that's in a sales environment. Was that weird because you actually felt, wow, yeah, I am understood. That's what I want. Well, yeah, it was weird because, well, one, one, I guess, I guess he was talking for like 10 minutes about uh, uh, 10, 10 straight minutes of him talking of, of, of understanding me. Mm. And it's like, I don't know if that's happened before, <laughs> you know? So it's weird <laughs> just because it's novel. Like, it's novel. Is, uh, you know? And then it was so dead on. I, I did not end up, I kind of wanted to, I didn't need it, but I wanted to support this guy. Yeah. I was like, man, he's just so great. I, I want to, you know, help him out. I was like, but I, I really, I don't have any kids. I don't have yeah, <laughs> a wife. I don't, I, I don't need, need life insurance right now. But, you know, maybe later. So yeah, that, that's why it was weird for me. So if you think about it, one of the big hints of you, and I don't mean it to mean use, but to really say, I am going to try to understand. I and, and again, intense, big. I said, who you are, you don't want to use this to be a manipulative person. Mm-hmm. You're using it because you actually do care. I really, I mean, I think people know when they're being manipulated. Yeah. Right. They know. If you are truly trying to care, it's less about technique than it is caring. And the hardest time to do it is when there is, but it's also your best signal, high emotion mm-hmm. or some level of conflict. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about how hard that is, especially if you know, you summarized, well, I am frustrated and I would like to find an Xbox. But if you and I were truly arguing mm-hmm. and you just said, mom, yeah, well, you never get me anything cool, <laughs> <laughs> mom or work, right? Yeah. You're, you know, Jen, what you did in that meeting completely. I mean, I can't believe that's what you did. It's ruined mm-hmm. this project, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm being attacked. That's why those first three habits are so important because yeah. If I can't feel confident enough in myself that I don't need to win this argument, I'm truly thinking about how you and I are going to work together in the future. And I all of a sudden become very curious. Wow. I must have really done something. Pete is mad. Mm-hmm. I d- you know, I, I'm not responsible for you being mad. That's not what I'm saying. I may be based on actions, mm-hmm. but I'm not taking the responsibility. I'm taking the responsibility to understand because I would like you and I to maintain our work relationship. Possibly I'll apologize. Possibly I'll get to the point of where I understand and I'll say, so Pete, do I understand? Yes, you do. I see it differently. Could I share how I see it? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't. we may not come to agreement, but it's part of thinking about how do you gain influence in an organization? How do you get to your potential? How do you get sponsors and allies that will support you. And a big part of it isn't just your technical skill set. Yeah, that's powerful. And so then let's talk about the the different levels there. So we arrived there via curiosity, via, via being very kind of solid and firm in, in your character and foundations and, and genuinely caring about mm-hmm. uh, the person and, and their perspective and, and having that curiosity to dig in. And then the basic level is you feel this about that. What's what's the advanced level? What's what's the under the master of understanding <laughs> vibe? Well, again, I think intent counts much more than technique here. In fact, I would totally assert intent counts more than technique because if you're truly trying to get to it, 
people will give you a lot of leeway than if they think you're using a special technique. Yeah. And, you know, if I can see you, I could nod because you might have some emotion that keeps you going for a minute. Mm-hmm. And I'm processing. Okay. Like, okay, wait, was that? Is it that? Is he mad at me for that? Or was it this? I'm processing. I could nod. I could say, mm-hmm, go on. Yeah. So when that happened, it caused this, right? I'm summarizing back some of the things you said, yeah. paraphrasing, or I might just be staying silent. But you know I'm not using empathic listening if I say, Pete, I totally agree. Now I might get to that, right? Yeah. But that's not me getting the understanding. That's me totally agreeing with you. Or I disagree. Or you know what? My sister kind of thinks the same way. Or you know what? This work group that we work on, they agree with me. It's the, I've taken everything away and I'm just trying to understand you. Does that get mm-hmm. to more advanced? It does. Yes. And, and and I'm thinking sometimes when I've done this well, which is rarer than I'd like to admit, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I almost think about it like we, we had Chris Voss, the um, FBI hostage negotiator on the show and, and, right. and his book, he talked about sort of like identifying sort of what is the religion of, of the person you're working with. Not, not literally like, you know, Catholic or Mormon right. or Muslim, but, but like, like the, the, the worldview and ultimate beliefs that are kind of under, underneath this. And I think that's a good lens as well as sometimes I, I think about it in terms of like, if, if I were an actor, you know, okay. who needed to convincingly, portray this person you know it's sort of like <laughs> i think it's like a sprite commercial excuse me what's what's my motivation you know, you know it's sort exactly. of like, like, what's like my what's, motivation? what is their motivation like if, if you were a mm-hmm. director or a, a, a screenplay writer or an actor trying to imbue that character with like a, a life and a motivation and a backstory and a belief or religion it's sort of like th- that's kind of what i think for me, is how I, I kind of try to see if I've, if I've really nailed it. And it's been kind of rare, but it's been awesome when it happens. They're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> yes, you get me, which is huge. I mean, when we're talking about effectiveness, whether it's in work, in your family, in relationships, you don't have to agree with me, although I would love it if the whole world agreed with me, but that's probably unrealistic. But that felt need of you understand me especially in times that are a bit turbulent to use mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit turbulent where there doesn't seem to be much understanding i think that's a nice way to say it frankly you know if you've ever been at work and you've solved a problem that wasn't even the problem because yeah. you know this and and people bring this up to you all the time and you just hear two words and you're like no 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 i got i got this here's what you do Mm-hmm. And they walk away and then you find out later that ha- was not even the problem at all. It can be that tactical of mm-hmm. what is really the problem here that we're looking at? Have we defined it and are we working at that? Or am I so impatient? I just hear two words and I'm like, no, no, no. I know this problem. Solve it this way. Yeah, that's good. Well, boy, so many directions we could take go from here. Maybe could you share in your experience what is the habit that has the, it's kind of like a consultants, right? We could put everything on two by two matrix. Yeah. The, the habit that is <laughs> the most lacking amongst professionals 
and the most costly in terms of, boy, this is really hurting your career. Um, and if you nailed it, it you, your career would soar. Maybe that's one habit that uh, nails both of them, or, or mm-hmm. maybe it's two separate ones, but, but lay it on us. Well, I think the one we just discussed is the one where you're going to really kind of get the exponential. It's a it, quite an emotional intelligence, not but intent and skill set, and it requires self-awareness. I mean, it's like a hard one, and it really accelerates. The one I would say truly that is foundational to being effective, so getting the results now and in the future is, and that's why it is habit one, as I mentioned, they're progressive, is choice. And let me give you an example some of what the company I work through has done has worked with inmates in the correctional system using the seven habits. And habit one, while if you and I are discussing it or you read it in a book and you see some great hints, you may be able to integrate so much more of it into your life. Habit one takes months in the uh, correction facility Hmm. because it's basically saying Regardless of what has happened to you or does happen, you have the ability to make a choice in how you think and behave. Mm-hmm. And just think about that for a second. In the seven habits, there's four gifts that are human based. So you have to have the self awareness to be able to say, okay, this is how I feel. You have to be able to have the mental, like be able to look out into the future and say, what I do now matters. And this is probably the best to fulfill my vision. You have to be able to top, tap into conscience and here's what I value and here's who I am. And then you have to have the independent will to act in the face of things that may not have been natural to you. And mm. it's even as much as using language that is proactive. There's, there's neurotransmitters when you use positive language. This used to make me crazy. I used to say, that's too woo-woo for me, even though I've been mm. around this forever. But when you think about me saying to you, I'm going to the grocery store, I'm flying to LA, I'm going to work out. The difference between that and I have to work out, I have to go to the grocery store, I have to fly to LA. Mm-hmm. Truly serotonin differences in the way you use your language, which is part of habit one. So honestly, where I think for many professionals, we're good at it. That's where we have the most opportunity to be solution focused, to ensure we're making those choices and to use those gifts. And then probably the biggest career advancer when it comes to building credibility, connection, collaborators is habit five, the seeking first to understand, then to be understood. Because you also have to have the skill set to be able to convey your ideas with respect. Mm-hmm. Well, that just makes me feel great as an interviewer because those are the two I, I zeroed in on. And I said, you tell me one of the two. It's okay. And we got a good, knew. we got was a synergy. Was that a question? <laughs> no, I, thought it was, I was like, hey, I'm going to pick two that I think are important. Now, then yeah. I'm going to throw it to you and say, what do you two? So, okay, cool. Well, we're on the same page. Hey, how about that? We are. So then let's talk about how one develops these or any habits. How does one embark upon change, personal transformation? in general? Like, what are your top do's and don'ts here? Well, I mean, one is basic, and I bet you've had other guests even say it, is that it takes at least three weeks to form a habit. It does. Mm -hmm. Really conscious effort. You know this if you've tried something new, like physical. I'm, you know, I'm going to go running. 
The first week, you're all, yay, yay, I'm running. The second week, you're kind of achy. Maybe you can miss Wednesday or Friday. And by the third week, you're like, "Uh, as long as I get out one day, right? Mm -hmm. It takes three weeks to be able to form it in any kind of, and then obviously it gets easier after that. That's why trainers are literally saying, you got to commit to three weeks. Most diets, three weeks. But when you think about it, you have to have a commitment. And frankly, books, including the seven habits, have actual things in the back saying, if you want to improve this, watch your language for four days and see how many times you have to, you have no choice, you use victim language and how many times you use proactive language, right? Each of these has a practice you can put into place. One that I've been challenged, I've done a significant amount of executive coaching is to say, you need to have a sticky note that says, the first time I feel a strong emotion, I'm going to stop and pause, examine what the feeling is, think before I speak, and try to put these practices, whatever they may be, into practice. Mm-hmm. You know, like a reminder, as soon as you feel emotion, because how can you predict when you're going to feel a strong emotion while right, you're working, yeah. right? But most of them have practices you can put into place. One of the most details, habit two, begin with the end in mind, actually encourages you to write a mission statement. And you can Google mission statement builder. There's an app free, but something that we have at Franklin Covey, and then there's others. Write a mission statement. Many, put first things first has many tactical hints and tips, managing your technology, managing distractions. So it really depends on the habit that's yours. Is this more of a think than do? Is this, okay, I've got the think down. I just need to do. Which mm-hmm. one is it and which practice will help you the best? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And, and maybe the last question before we hear about your favorite things. In a world where everything seems urgent, how do we escape and and really do those important but not urgent things? Well, of course, there's a lot in The Seven Habits. And I recently read a book that I think inspired me. And I, I don't know if I say his name correctly. It's a book called Distractable. Near... Near Ayal. Yeah. Distractable. Yeah. Have you read that book? He's been on the show. Oh, I didn't see that when I looked through uh. the other podcasts that I was listening to. I honestly think his practices... While the principles of personal management and the mindset pieces, we do a quadrant model, you know, of how to think about urgent versus urgent versus important versus aligned to your values and managing your technology. I think some of his practices, uh, did he talk about the tree app that he has in his book? Do you remember? The tree app. I don't have a picture in my head of a tree, so... It's an app that you pull up a tree and you say, this tree will be built on my app as long as I focus on this task for this amount of time. And if I take my mind off that task and I have to click it and it kills the tree... Mm. I mean, there's all these great hints. Obviously, so many, so many will say establish your rules. Here's where you turn it off. Here's how much time you say that you'll respond to your email. This is when you'll respond to text. This is when you'll do social media. I think, and some of that even is in the seven habits, even though some of those tools weren't there. I think the mindset of urgent versus important and tying it to your values, but there are a lot of practices to put that into place. I was really Mm -hmm. inspired by his. Well, so that, that that's great. So there's a lot of practices, but if we go ever deeper to the the, the foundational root, you're suggesting it, it's more about having kind of 
like a total clarity on what's important based upon an understanding of your values? Yeah. I mean, so I'll say, imagine there's kind of a beam since people can't see me. If on one end of the beam are the things that you profess to value and you've even some of the work that that uh, is proposed in the seven habits of highly effective people is to write down statements that you would want people who know you in that role to say about you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe it's my retirement party and I wish people would say this about me at my party. Maybe it's uh, a partner or spouse or here's what I would want them to say. What would they all say? My ideal is this, and this is what I'm trying to do in my life. And on the other side of the beam is how I actually act every day. Mm -hmm. And no way would I get any of those tribute statements based on my actions. Yeah. Well, then you philosophically know no matter what tools you're using, you aren't aligning your important things with your actions each day. So how do you get closer to that? And one of the strategies that's in the seven habits that's worked for me is, of course, you can't align your whole life to that. But do you choose one thing for each of your roles that you will do? It might be relationship focused or it might be result that would get you closer to that tribute statement each week. And on a weekly basis, do you do at least one thing that moves you closer to that vision? And if you're not doing anything in alignment with who you say you want to be and what you want, frankly, you're not going to have a very credible claim to feeling peaceful, let mm -hmm. alone effective. Yep. I buy that. Thank you. Oh, now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? You know, one of my favorite quotes, and it gets attributed to a lot of different people, Albert Schweitzer, I think, said part of it. Stephen Covey used to say it, but I love this quote. In everyone's life, at some time, an inner fire goes out. It is then burst into flame by an encounter with another human being. And then sometimes people add, let's be thankful for those who rekindle the inner spirit. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I think about times my own flame has gone out where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm completely depleted. The people that will burst you into flame and bring back you and what you can contribute. I mean, what an amazing contribution. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? You know, my favorite research, and I realized this by thinking about how many times I've, I read it or look at profiles, is really Martin Seligman's in, in Positive Psychology. Mm -hmm. You know, his books on flourish, learned optimism, the positive psychology assessments that have been built. I just find that work so fascinating. And it goes so deep in thinking about how your mind drives truly positive psychology, which is different than happiness, but more of that sense of fulfillment. And how about a favorite book? My favorite business book most recently, and, and of course, it's not a newest book, but I love Ray Dalio's Principles book. Mm -hmm. Love. And my favorite author doesn't write enough. I have two, Donna Tartt, mm -hmm. uh, and she's only written a few books. And then I love Tana French. It's an Irish author who writes mysteries. Oh, thank you. And a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? I would say it's less tool-based, although I am, especially with, I'm a work from home right now, working at home. I really love 
I am chats. So you could use a variety of tools. Sometimes it's been Slack. Sometimes it's been Zoom chat. Sometimes it's been Teams chat. But with my close workers, I think it feels more like that we're in the same environment because people can pop in. Mm-hmm. And a favorite habit? My absolute favorite habit. And as you might expect, I get asked for career advice a lot. Of course, it comes from the seven habits, Pete. You would have Mm -hmm. had to have expected that. But my favorite habit is proactive. I say the number one thing you can do in your career is say, based on the situation I'm in, what's the best thing for me to do or say right now? And is a particular nugget you share with folks that really seems to connect and resonate with them? They quote it back to you frequently? You know, what gets uh, quoted back to me a lot as an original quote is you have to have curiosity. If your curiosity dies, you're dead. Mm-hmm. especially at work. Okay. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? I would point them to franklincovey.com. That's where you learn more about what we're doing in all of our books and all of the works that we have for individual. Me personally, I'm at, at Jen Colosimo on Twitter. I have tweeted very little over the past several months because I had, I had to do a bit of a calming myself. My be yeah. proactive was not to be... <laughs> Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's where I am on Twitter, also on LinkedIn um, at Jennifer Colosimo. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? My final challenge is to take up the challenge we invested the most time of this conversation on. Bring empathy into the workplace. Bring, although you can't force others to bring empathy into the workplace you will release more potential. You'll be more fulfilled if you bring empathy into the workplace yourself. Jen, this has been a treat. Thank you. And I wish you all the best as you're practicing the seven habits. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate the time. I really love that chat with Jen. Been thinking about the seven habits a lot lately, partially because of the, the COVID sickness and thinking about beginning with the end in mind and you know, thinking about what you want people to say at your funeral and and how your your eulogy and your resume are are different documents. Been chewing on that a bit, which is great. And then just today I caught myself listening to respond instead of listening to understand. I had a really juicy, funny comment I couldn't resist making. But uh, just having that in my awareness in terms of, hmm, am I listening to understand or am I listening to respond? And is it about me or is it about them? And how much do I care? And am I being generous? And how much am I looking to do the Pete show <laughs> in a given conversation? Now, of course, there's a time and a place for joking around and contributing your your tidbits, but it's great to, to go in with the awareness and to conscientiously select, how am I going to be? How am I going to show up in this conversation to get where this conversation would ideally go? to be supportive. So great reminders from Jen. The show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP623. And I look forward to catching you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. 
If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 